0: It's great to have you here. My name is Doug Fullington. Welcome to our second program of our 50th anniversary season. Uh, We have a triple bill for you tonight. And it's pretty representative of, of our programming and, in fact, the way we program in general. We have one revival, a work that we haven't done in repertory since, I think, 2005. We have one commission that was just made for us over the past weeks month and a half or so and then one acquisition which means we're acquiring a work that's uh existing that's already been performed it's a work that was made for paris opera ballet in 2016 seasons canon which closes the evening so those are our three works we've got two intermissions and uh you're going to see the entire company out on stage tonight so big casts uh exciting evening um I'll talk about the ballets in the order that we're going to see them. I'm very happy to take any questions at any time, discuss any point you want to. Please uh, don't hesitate, you can just flag me down midway or I'll save some time at the end as well. I like Q and A, so um, please uh, go right ahead. Uh, One thing that I find really interesting, uh, in particular as a musician, and this wasn't planned, but all of the music that we'll hear tonight is inspired by 18th century music, mostly by Baroque era music. Uh, In fact, in the first and third works, we've got um, music that um, is called recomposed music, meaning it's a modern take on an older work. And this is kind of a trend we're seeing in classical music over the past 10, 15 years, and in fact, Max Richter's recomposition of Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which accompanies Crystal Pipes the Seasons Canon, is probably the best example of this this sort of new uh, genre that we're seeing in classical music. And even the Stravinsky work, which is second, which is 90 years old, is also inspired by 18th century music. So again, not planned, just sort of happy convergence uh, that I find really interesting. Let's start with our our first work, which is our commission. It's titled Catching Feelings. It's choreographed by Dwight Roden. Dwight is the uh, principal choreographer and one of the founders of Complexion's Contemporary Ballet, which is a uh, highly respected contemporary ballet company in the US. But this is our first work by Dwight. That being said, we do have a relationship with him. When we first did Ulysses Dove's ballet, Dancing on the Front Porch of Heaven, uh, Dwight was one of the stagers for that ballet. So he came here, he worked with the company, taught all the roles. Uh, So we all know Dwight, but uh, the company composition has changed a lot since then. So when he came to create a new work, he's got sort of a, a new slate of dancers to work with but he jumped right in he has a big cast of 15 dancers and we have two uh, different casts that perform his work so it's 30 dancers in the company that have worked with him uh, during this period of time um, catching feelings I didn't have a chance to talk to Dwight directly about the title of his work but the dancer said that he would often mention um, uh, the, the idea, the, a simple idea really of human interaction and, and the uh, emotions that are evoked when uh, dancing to music. Seeing what the music says, what kind of dancing will be inspired by that music, and then what it says about the relationships of the dancers that we see on stage, whether it's the whole group as an ensemble or as a community whether it's duos, trios, or solos. So that is sort of the idea that's driving this work. Uh, And I think just as much the music by Bach that Dwight has chosen. There's seven different pieces by Bach that make up this work. It's a pretty substantial ballet. Uh, It's just over half an hour in length. Um, Two of the seven are uh, original works by Bach. One is uh, one of the movements of the famous cello suites, uh, which will be played by our principal cellist, Paige Smith. Another uh, one of the violin solos that Michael Jinsu Lim will be playing. The rest is is recorded, and it is this new uh, recomposition of several of Bach's works. Generally, we play these live, but these pieces were uh, composed very recently and I know the decision to use them was made very recently as well so I would say if this ballet comes back into the repertory we'll see a complete live performance of it that said the recordings are beautifully beautifully done in the first movement we're introduced to the whole group and really we um, they come at us in waves And it's really a kind of get-to-know-you movement, if you will. And I'm kind of going off the title Catching Feelings here in my sort of casual talk about how we're going to meet the dancers, if you will, in this work. Um, Dwight brings them to us in an interesting way. They're coming right downstage from the top of the stage to us, and we don't see them enter because they're getting on stage through what we call uh, a car wash. (laughs) And a car wash is... uh, Just the black scrim that we often have upstage, in this case, it's not lit so that we can see it, and it has strips cut in it so you can just kind of appear. And so the dancers appear, and then they come straight down to us, and just waves of dancers, lines of four, five, and so forth, just keep sort of coming at us. It's a very presentational way of of introducing the cast to us. Uh, they may exit by the sides, but they're generally going to come through the car wash. Dwight's not the first one to use this technique. Um, yeah, it's uh, sort of famously used in Twilight Arts in the upper room, uh, which, and you really can't see it there because the stage has this sort of fog all over everything. I don't know how the dancers can see, but they manage once they get on the stage. But. Uh, that's, that's one of the primary uh, staging, sort of scenic elements, although it's a sort of hidden scenic element that creates this nice effect for us. Once we get past the first movement and we get into more of the solo music, Dwight starts pulling uh, members of this community of 15 out for us, and, and we meet them in duets, in trios, and in solos, most often in duets. And uh, he's working in a uh, in a balletic idiom. There are point shoes, um, but in a really athletic style. I really enjoy the partnering here. It's very fluid. It's very expansive, and uh, I think it's very. I really enjoy watching it, and and I think he's really working to respond to the sort of ebb and flow of the music. And it's very. Uh, recognizably Bach, but what the composers tend to do today is apply some more modern techniques to the 18th century music. They might pull out a, one melodic theme and then play it at, at different successive pitches or sort of work it through sort of more kind of modern systems of composition, if you will. So it's a little bit of an old meets new, uh, but very recognizably Bach, so it's sort of a reverie on Bach, if you will, or an homage to Bach, and that's really how the the piece works out. We go through the different movements, and and I think Dwight's really responding to the to the feel of the music, if you will, and that's really what's informing the um, the energy level of the different uh, sections, whether it's duets and solos or or the whole group again, which once we've sort of had a chance to have all of the dancers featured we, the sort of community or ensemble group comes back to us and that is uh catching feelings again it clocks in at about uh, half an hour and then we have our first intermission and when we come back we have our uh, ballet that's a revival and it's a revival of george Balanchine's duo Concertante. Uh, this is a work we've only had in repertory one time and it was on peter bowl's first program that he programmed for us in the fall of 2005. So sort of his introductory program, and he brought two uh, new works by uh, Balanchine to us on that program and a new Jerome Robbins. So he was really bringing work from his own repertory that he danced at New York City Ballet, and he had just retired from New York City Ballet, so it made a lot of sense that he would bring these works to us. A duo concertante is a, piece of music by Stravinsky, composed in 1932, in uh, what is referred to now as Stravinsky's neoclassical period, meaning that he was also looking back to 18th century music. I haven't studied a lot of Stravinsky from this period, but um, I see a more surface sort of inspiration from the 18th century. He's using titles like a duo concertante. A concertante is a a sort of solo piece or a solo passage meant to to show off the bravura abilities of the player. Here, the piece is for a piano and a violin. That's the duo part. Um, But it does not sound like 18th century music. It sounds just like Stravinsky. We've got the characteristics, kind of repeated rhythms, the dissonance, but also these kind of breakout melodies that span just a huge range of notes. I love Stravinsky, I always feel like it. sounds like the outdoors to me. It may not sound like that to you, but I always think that when I uh, see these ballets, they usually have the blue, the blue in the background too. It feels very expansive. Uh, Balanchine created this ballet 50 years ago for a special occasion at New York City Ballet. Uh, it was a Stravinsky festival that he put together uh, the year after Stravinsky died. Stravinsky died in 71. And he had uh, been a close collaborator of Balanchine since Balanchine was 24 years old, and really, I think, a father figure, both artistically and personally. Balanchine had left Russia in 1924. He left his family behind. He only saw some members of his family once or twice after that. But he met Stravinsky in 1928 when he choreographed uh, to Stravinsky's Apollo. Uh, one of the famous Balanchine ballets, the, really the earliest one that is in the regular repertory. And they collaborated all throughout the 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, and on until the end of Stravinsky's life. And when he died, Balanchine wanted to honor him. And one way he did that was through duo concerton, actually a couple ways in this ballet. One, the musicians are on stage. So Mike, uh, Michael Jensu Lim and Christina Siemens, our pianist, they'll be on stage on our left, and the two dancers will dance on the right. But when the curtain goes up, the dancers are standing at the piano, and through the whole first movement, they just listen. And I think it was Balanchine, at the beginning of this Stravinsky Festival, saying, we're here to honor Stravinsky, so we're gonna start out by just listening. And so the dancers, we sort of take the cue from them, and we're all we all listen to the opening movement, and then once the music continues, then the dancers move out into the right-hand side of the stage and begin to dance. And it's just what we'd expect from Balanchine, like Dwight Roden, just taking the cue from the music for the movement style for the rhythm. I really like this piece. It's quite intimate. Not only are there just a few dancers, two dancers and two musicians, but the way they interact is a little bit more casual than sometimes we see in Balanchine ballets. We're often presented in his ballets with a a very idealized view of the human body, the way it can move and the way it can look, which is beautiful. And there's often a very utopian quality to his large cast works. Here we've just got two people. Uh, They're clearly enjoying the music and I think the dancers are literally enjoying having mike and christina on stage with them and i think that that's palpable in the way that they they perform this work we've got three casts uh dancing this ballet and tonight you'll see um clara ruff maldonado and christopher dariano christopher just uh, promoted to soloist last week Uh, the preparation for this ballet was special for us too peter boll was our stager uh, and by that I mean he's the person responsible for teaching all of the parts uh, of the ballet to the different casts and just overseeing the work and bringing it to the stage at the standard that we, we want to see it at, and that the George Balanchine Trust would like to see it at as well. But in addition to that, Peter brought one of the original cast members, Kay Mazo, uh, to Seattle for a week to work with the dancers. Uh, Kay was a principal with New York City Ballet, Uh, In the 60s and the 70s, Balanchine made this work on her and on Peter Martins, who went on to be artistic director of New York City Ballet for more than 30 years after Balanchine died. Uh, Kay went on, after her retirement, to become the uh, administrative director of the School of American Ballet, which is the school attached to New York City Ballet, uh, one of the major dance uh, training uh, institutions in the country. She just retired, so Peter took advantage of that, Peter Boll, and asked Kay to come and work with our dancers. And uh, from what I've heard uh, about it from them, they had a great week with her hearing about uh, not only the steps and and sort of encouragement and ideas and options for how they they would interpret it, but also I think hearing about uh, the experience of having a work created on her by George Balanchine, uh, which would be... Uh, something very special. So great to have this work back in the repertory. Uh, I have talked for about as long as it lasts. Not quite, but almost. (laughs) It's about about 16, 16, 17 minutes. It has a very interesting ending. Suddenly, for the last movement, which is very lyrical, Balanchine uh, gives us a very sentimental scene, and I don't mean that uh, derogatorily at all. Uh, the lights come down, and he uses spotlights just to show us the dancers' hands and the face- faces. It's quite romantic uh, at the end of the ballet and quite personal. Uh, in my experience with Balanchine Ballets, when Balanchine uh, sort of shifts into a more romantic mode, it's very clear. Uh, he's not being subtle. And I think it's, it's a very sweet ending to, to some beautiful music at the end of the ballet. We have our second intermission, and then we come back for Seasons Canon. Um, this has a cast of two times many. There are 54 dancers in this work. It's a very, it's a very uh, large scale work. It's very satisfying to see such a full stage. Um, the choreography is by Crystal Pite this was a work she made for paris opera ballet in 2016 and even though that was six years ago we're only the second company to perform the work because something called covid happened (laughs) in between then and now and uh we had plans to perform it earlier but now we're finally able to bring it to the stage and uh it also has been a, a thrilling experience for the company and uh, not just to work with Crystal Pipe, but to dance a piece with so many people and feel like such a tight-knit community, literally and figuratively. Um, so many things to say about this work. The music, as I said, is uh, Max Richter's recomposition of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Of course, Vivaldi's Four Seasons is a famous set of violin concertos um, if you're not sure if you know what they sound like, I think as soon as you start to hear some phrases, you will, because if you've ever ridden in a car, an elevator, or a grocery store, watch TV, <laughs> you will have heard some of it. It's very much part of the soundtrack of our culture, of our culture, definitely. (laughs) So what Max Richter did, he said it took only about 25% of the musical material, but he sort of works it and reworks it through, it sounds like Vivaldi, but definitely through a a 21st century lens. Um, I think it's quite stunning, and and, uh, this work was written 10 years ago uh, in 2012, and it was, I think, held a place on the billboard charts for quite a while, so it in its own right it's it's become a a well-known and 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 popular work it also comes in at about half an hour Uh, we had crystal Pike here for about a little over a week about a week and a half but uh her stager that preceded her was here for many weeks to work with the company not only on the exact steps and movements in in the piece but also just the movement vocabulary and the way the dancers needed to move to put across Uh, Crystal's intentions here. Uh, Crystal was Peter Bowles' guest for our Dress Rehearsal Conversation series that we have started again, which is great. It was last Thursday night here before dress rehearsal, so we had an opportunity to hear from her about the piece. Uh, She said, first of all, that she really enjoys the opportunity to work for large ballet companies because there are a lot of resources and big casts. And she juxtaposes that with working with her own company, Kid Pivot, up in Vancouver, BC, which is quite a small company. Uh, They they will spend a couple of years creating a new work that then they will tour for a number of years. It's a completely different scenario with a big uh, repertory company like ours, or Paris Opera, or the Royal Ballet, where she was just working in London. There she has quite limited time to put together a work. It might be four or five weeks, and a large cast, so lots of work. It's a very concentrated and intense period. So that was the experience in 2016 with Paris Opera Ballet. She just dove in headfirst with this large cast and pretty famous score, and decided that she would take the idea of the seasons as her inspiration not only the seasons, but then the earth itself, and the fact that it can be both beautiful and also brutal. We know that's true with weather and just all of the sort of uh, machinations of of the world and so much that we're not able to control. She uses the dancers as often as sort of one organism. Uh, They're often physically attached to each other, touching each other, maybe hands on the shoulder of the person next to you, and they, they create these wonderful shapes. The idea of the canon that we have in the title, The Season's Canon, um, works itself through the movement in canons that might start at one end of the 54 and work itself uh, to, to the other end. Sometimes it starts in the middle and moves out. Sometimes it starts at the ends and moves toward the middle and so forth. Like we see in Dwight's ballet Catching Feelings, once we are familiar with the whole group, Uh, crystal starts to pull out individuals or uh, duos and so forth sometimes they dance on their own sometimes they're the focal point of the movement of the rest of the group sometimes they're um, juxtaposed with that large group Uh, there's a wonderful section Um, I'm not sure who's dancing it tonight let me just get on the right page we are Saturday 11 12 Cecilia, Ceci lease you tonight, uh, she leads one section and uh, she has particular movements with both arms and her head and off of her left arm there will be a line of dancers and they represent her arm and they all do what her left arm does and the same on the right and then one for her head. It's just a very interesting uh, way of augmenting the movement of one individual. with with all these sort of echoes of of her movement behind her. Um, There's sort of an endless variety of these types of uh, visual displays and moving tableaus that we see in this piece. Another wonderful part, I think, is the scenic and lighting design of this work, and I just wanna share a little bit about that because it's so beautiful. When the curtain goes up, we'll see golden light on the sort of back scrim um, when I first saw videos of Paris Opera doing this, I thought, this is such a beautiful um, set of video projections that's been created that's going to run throughout this work. And then I learned, we all learned from Crystal, that this lighting is done in real time for each uh, performance. So this is how it's set up. At the very uh, far up stage is a very large gold wall with this shiny kind of um, material on it. And it's a textured wall, and Crystal showed that by crumpling up a piece of paper and then uncrumpling it. So it still has all the crumples in it. That's what this wall is like. So if you, uh, you know, this times 500, uh, that's what the wall looks like. A few feet in front of it is a rear projection screen that's um, a little bit translucent. Between that screen and the textured wall is a light on a trap. That light shines onto the textured wall, the light bounces off onto the screen, and that's what we see. It's a fascinating way of uh, of lighting. And uh, the light isn't stationary, it's constantly moving, but it really works in tandem with the movement on the stage, so I think we really do see one picture. Sometimes even guides us where to look, if you will, and it's not always gold either. Uh, We get different hues as we move through the different seasons. Uh, we start with uh, spring, yes, spring, summer, autumn, and we we finish with winter. And just about winter, I will say all of the scenic effects that are uh, created in this work are happening live, whether they might look so uh, I don't know fine tuned that you might think they were they were all sort of preset. Not not the case. It's all happening in real time, and. Uh, In Paris, the dance was done to a recording, but we're doing it live here, which we love to do. So that's also very exciting just to hear all of hear and see and experience all of this um, sort of multimedia work being uh, created in the moment. I find that very exciting. Uh, Crystal has a dedicated team of uh, designers and artists that she works with for scenic design, lighting design, costume design uh she has musicians that she regularly works with so over time they've explored these different kind of techniques not just choreography but everything else that can work together with it and they're able to apply what they find and experiment and uh, we all benefit by seeing what the fruits of those uh, of that collaboration is and we definitely i think see this with seasons canon uh, Peter said, Peter Bowles said, when he was talking to Crystal about what might be the third work of hers that we bring into the rep, she sent him a Vimeo link to the Paris Opera production. And Peter said, I, I love this. It has 54 people. We don't have 54 company dancers. And Crystal suggested that we um, use some of the professional division students in the school, which is our highest level. It's a pre professional. Uh, Division program of one or two years where we're really helping the students transition from being students to being professional, uh, full-time professional dancers. So that's what we've done. I think it's been a tremendous experience for them as part of their training. And I think they've done, uh, they've, they've worked in seamlessly, and now they have a new sort of set of movement vocabulary to draw from going forward. Last thing I wanna say is that we have our post-performance Q&A, our Meet the Artist uh, session, down here after the performance. Um, this weekend is a little bit of uh, Meet Apprentices and New Dancers weekend. So uh, tonight, Peter Boll will welcome uh, Audrey Malik, who is a new company member, and Destiny Wimpy, who's a new apprentice. And uh, you'll be able to get to know them. They'll have just performed Seasons Canon. And I'm sure they'll be uh, just thrilled to, to talk about that experience and answer your questions. It's a terrific way to let the traffic exit <laughs> that garage next door. and uh, But even more than that, it's, it's a nice way to recap the program. So you're all very welcome to come, to come here after the performance and enjoy that. Uh, we have a couple of minutes left. If you'd like to ask anything, I can try and answer. Um, is there anything I haven't touched on or you'd like to know? Sure. When will Dylan be healed? When will Dylan Wald be healed? Uh, he's has had a leg injury and uh, surgery. And he's, he's on the mend. I think he's back. I think he's to the point where you can take some of bar class. Ballet class starts with movements at the bar, where you have some support. And then you move to what we call the center, where you're doing unsupported movements. Uh, so he's in process of uh, rehabilitation and sort of retraining restrengthening the muscles Uh, injuries are so tough and we we see it in in professional sports as well not only do you have to have the injury treated and then heal from it but then you have to um, rehab your body back to the kind of shape you need to be in to do what what it is you do so it's this multi-step process which is a can be a long road but uh definitely in 2023 we'll see Dylan back I think he's doing some Drosselmeyer's in Nutcracker <laughs> uh, non-dancing role that it gets him out on stage so uh that's fun so thanks for asking awesome. anybody else with a question yes sure I think a question about how many in the company I think we're at 46 we just added our apprentices and also I should say uh, Peter Bowl announced uh, six promotions to soloist so we have a very full soloist uh, roster right now I think we're at 46 though Um, and I'll just mention the soloists Uh, we uh, in addition to Christopher Dariano Dariano, who you'll see tonight in duo concert taunt. uh Madison Rain Albeo has been promoted, uh, Danielle Cruz Garrido, Amanda Morgan, uh, Christian Poppy, and Leah Tirado, who are all terrific. But it's just really cool that three of them Amanda's from Tacoma, Christian's from Lake Stevens, and Maddie Albeo's from Seattle. It's just kind of great that from here they trained in our school, they went through the professional division. So it's great inspiration for those students that are in that professional division just to see you know, what the next steps can be. And now they're promoted to soloist in the company ready to take on the repertoire. All right, we are at time, and the uh, curtain's going to go up in half an hour. So thank you very much for being here and supporting the company. Enjoy the performance.